Podcast. What is going on, my friends? How's everybody doing? Bobby Watts here with another edition of the High Voltage Podcast. I hope you guys have been enjoying these recently. I've really had a blast um, putting out some more content. This has just been awesome. Up next is an interview that I recently did that I'm really excited to be sharing with you. Uh, this is an interview that I did with Trent Palmer of the Copter Kids uh, out west in Reno. And uh, I've really been an admirer of his work for some time. I mean, as you can hear from his name, he started with helicopters doing aerial cinematography, RC helicopters doing aerial cinematography. And it's now led him into a full-time job, you know, doing these big productions with uh, mainly drones now. But it's, it was a really cool conversation to hear how his interests have really led his, his content production and business ventures over the years. And I, I really found that fascinating. I really admire that. That's so cool. Um, as to where now he's doing a lot of YouTube videos with uh, like a, you know, a quarter million uh, YouTube subscribers on his channel. And he, he's posting some crazy videos of him doing uh, the uh, bush piloting, as we were, as we would call it. We get into that. Um, just doing some crazy videos, just gorgeous flying, um, just, just absolutely stunning. So I hope you guys enjoy it. And real quick, if you are listening to this on the podcast, then I would suggest uh, if you want to see this in video form, we do this on my YouTube channel as well. Just take a look for Bobby Watts on YouTube. And a lot of these interviews, we have them with video on my YouTube page. So you can watch it uh, there or listen to it right here. So without any further ado, Trent Palmer of the Copter Kids. This is High Voltage with Bobby Watts. All right, well, I guess we should just start it right now. No intro, no nothing. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Trent Palmer, everybody. Trent, how's it going, man? It's going great. Thanks for having me, man. Dude, we've been trying to orchestrate this. I think it's been a year now. I yeah. literally think it's been a year. Yeah, that makes me feel bad because I, I, I get actually a few requests for these kind of things, and I, I'm always like that moving target. I try not to be, but I really have been wanting to get on this one with sure. you. So. Awesome. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you. I haven't done too many of these, but um, it, it means a lot that you could put aside an afternoon um, and chat with me. I, I, I think you guys are doing some awesome things. Um, you know, I, I don't even know where to begin, I guess, with a background. But I guess to just, the, here's the first thing I want to say to you. So I've seen your YouTube channel with, uh, you are a, is a bush pilot? Or a bush plane, or what, mean, what's, it, what's the technical term? I, I, don't, I guess a backcountry or off-field pilot, because... The Alaskan guys seem to get their, you know, panties in a bunch when we call it bush flying because we aren't doing it for hire. So it's like a recreational bush pilot, I guess. Hey, you guys are freaking nuts. <laughs> Holy cow. Like, I mean, the flying looks amazing. Like, and I so wish that I could do that. But I just think of my whole, like, aero modeling career. And I think of, like, the hundreds or thousands of flights that I've had that have been successful. But then I think of, you know, the very few that have been non-successful yeah. so like does that does that go through your head and have you had any like major issues like didn't you have an engine issue yeah last la was it last year yeah it was a little over a year ago i had an engine failure which was like a it, it was like one that you'd have in rc there was zero indication just flying along and it quit but uh yeah i, I was uh before i got into flying i got into it because the fa required us to to fly okay. drones in the film industry or commercially at all so that's uh -huh. what forced me to get my pilot's license. But I had this this experience from an RC world where I was so used to failures and how quickly things go wrong. And then 
It, it right. happens so much faster on an RC, and I don't know if it's just the small nature of them, but they um, they tend to have like you know these weird catastrophic failures or just be completely uncontrollable. Right. So yeah, that was whenever you're going too. into real flying. Man, that is cool. But I mean, you're you're if anyone hasn't seen his uh, YouTube channel, definitely go check it out. I think it's just Trent Palmer. It's just your name, right? Yeah, I couldn't get the Trent Palmer like after it. So if you go to YouTube forward slash Trent Palmer, that's not me. It's like Board Entertainment oh, really? eighty eight or something. They auto auto assign uh, the channel name. But yeah, if you search Trent Palmer, I think it comes up. I'll take a look because I mean the way you shoot it is just gorgeous, and, and I mean it, it's some really cool flying, and I'm really impressed with how you know, big and, and it seems like tight knit the community is Yeah. Um, of the, not bush pilots, but you know, off, what was it again? Yeah. I mean, we'll call it bush pilots, but the whole general aviation community has blown me away how like tight knit and, and awesome and supportive they are. Like if you're a yeah. pilot, you're my best friend. That's like how it works. You go to any airport in the world and it's like, you're greeted by friends. It's, it's pretty cool. That's so sick. Yeah. That's so awesome. That's awesome. Well, I guess we can get back to that. But so I, I guess how I first kind of heard about you was so your comp you founded the company Copter Kids. Um, was it maybe ten years ago now? Yeah, two thousand ten. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Because I I, I kind of first got wind of you guys. I think you were one of the first, if not the first, to fly like a cinema camera on an RC helicopter. Yeah, is, we, we were that, probably sorry? one of the first. We weren't the first, because there's that company Flying Cam that was doing it with like an old oh, yeah. RE-235 or whatever for years. They had a really right. bad track record uh, as far as being reliable. But sure. uh, you know they were working with technology that was still in its infancy, so. Yeah, absolutely. So when you founded Copter Kids, um, I mean, I know you guys were one of the first in the game, but man, you guys were doing some seriously high-end projects kind of right off the get-go weren't you yeah you, it seems like you guys leaped into it and for a while were you know kind of building your own stuff and um i don't know if it was your own gimbals but definitely your own helicopter and stuff so like take me back to that like how does how did that how'd you guys wind up in that because i think you came from the rc hobby right yeah the rc hobby side of it yeah so i was a guy that i grew up flying rc i guess like early high school is when i started flying fixed wing rc and uh, I grew up in a small mountain town that a lot of my friends were going to be pro skiers. They were all the ones winning the Junior Olympics and stuff. So I was like, I should start filming this. And I liked making videos. So that's what got me into the, the film and video side. I started my own production company in high school. Oh, really? And then, yeah. Nice. And then I, I really, like, my dream was to shoot skiing from a helicopter. But I could okay. never afford it. So I was like, I'll build an RC helicopter because I know how to fly RC. Mm -hmm. um, to, to lift a camera. So that's what started it. In the meantime, I got hired as an editor for a different production company. Um, and while I was editing there, I kind of put the RC thing on the back burner, but I mm -hmm. saw a video of this guy with the same camera I had strapped to the same RC heli I had, but the guy mm -hmm. did clearly didn't have the RC experience that I had and he didn't have the film experience. So I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah. So, uh, put together a similar rig. It was a T-Rex 700 that was originally nitro that I converted to electric and nice, just hung the camera nice. out front and, uh, went and shot a buddy of ours. That's a pro mountain biker. And we posted it online and like in the first couple weeks, it got like a hundred thousand views, which back then was a lot, at least on the like, you know, Vimeo yeah. side of things. And then the phone started ringing. And all of a sudden I was getting hired and I'm like, I don't know how to bill for this. I don't know. There was really only a couple other people in the country doing it. And I don't think any of them had any real film experience. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it was a lot of trial by fire, but luckily I had enough of the, the film and helicopter side of things that I was able to 
figure it out. Man, that's awesome. That, yeah. I mean, that's badass. And with the heli side, did you start from the 3D side? Yeah. Like, did well, you start by doing flips and rolls and TikToks and stuff? So I started to lift a camera, but then I got totally hooked with just flying. So then, yeah, I was doing all the 3D stuff. And, and that's what kind of stopped the camera thing for a while. I was just out playing with them forever. But I, I think that was good, like learning that skill set. And it's still yeah. funny because, I mean, definitely being able to, like, it's more of like an upset attitude recovery. If you can get yourself out of, like, you know, doing 3D stuff, that's going right. to help you on a film set. But mm -hmm. the rest of it doesn't apply because at no point at a flying field is someone telling you to go hover 800 feet away, nose in, in the wind where he's trying to block you with a tree. And, like, and you got so many moving parts that are totally different that sure. uh, were definitely something that had to be learned. In, I think you're. Field. I think I think you're right. You're you're absolutely right. And I mean, I came from the 3D background as well. And the thing that helped me with the competing in RC Hallies was like there there was so much emphasis on like timing and symmetry. So like if you do like a a, a big loop, like your first half has to be symmetric to your second, even right. if there's 10 mile an hour wind, you know, pushing you one direction. So um, it's interesting to hear that you have that 3d background too because I think it does translate very well Yeah, you know if you're as you mentioned like if you're like kind of like nose in crooked Staring straight into the Sun like it doesn't scare you as much. Yeah, where you know where if you didn't have that background Perhaps you wouldn't know how to get out of it if if, if the tail were to tuck or something like that Just a little strange and you learn to be active on your sticks and fly yourself out of anything so yeah. yeah, if you do have a failure, just get disoriented and put yourself in a weird position. I think having that 3D experience definitely will will get you out of it. So, That's so cool. That's so yeah. cool. So in your in your first few gigs, what kind of shoots were you doing? Like you know, name drop all you want here. Oh, like yeah. uh, I'm just curious. Like in the first maybe few years, while it was still in its infancy, you know, what kind of projects were you doing? Were they feature films or music videos or? You know, what were we kind of doing then? The first stuff we started on, uh, there was a Traxxas Torque. It's an off-road race series where they're racing trophy trucks. Oh, yeah. And we shot that entire season of 2010. And then while we were doing that, when we'd be back, you know, not on that gig, because that was like every other week, I think. Um, oh. I remember we did like a Gucci Man music video, which was one of the early ones. <laughs> uh, then we got in with this production company called Bandito Brothers, which they were like kind of up and coming in, in LA and they were running the show when it came to like car stuff or anything action wise. So we did a bunch of Hot Wheels work with them that was all stunt uh, related and then a bunch of car commercials through them. And then I think the first feature we shot was Gangster Squad. We shot oh, like nice. the, the end shot for the whole movie. Um, wow. That and Chasing Mavericks was the other feature that was shot like, this is early days, single rotor kind of. The surfing movie. Yeah, yeah. With Gerard yeah. Butler, right? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. That's cool. Yeah. That was good. Did you find that flying, we did one shoot where we were just like um, sitting at the edge of the beach flying, you know, over crashing. We were filming a surf competition for like a week. Yeah. And that was so stressful. It's the worst. Like, like I hate it. <laughs> I'm with you. Like the whole time, like if anything happens, it's done. Yeah. Because this is going to go in the salt water and you're done. Yeah. And that's actually one of the things really early on. We did a three week surf trip with uh, Billabong in Bali. And oh, wow. it's like okay. every, Yeah, we were there too. We went there too. Yeah. Every break was so far out there and it, you know, it's just, there's never a calm day. So it's windy. Right. You're, it's spitting, you know, they want you closer. Get in the barrel. And I'm like, <laughs> you're just flying this dot out there that'll cut someone in half. Right. Just, yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> and that would have been the days of no stabilization too. So no. maybe, 
Did it did it have a fly bar or like were you fly barless? I was fly barless from the start. Like okay. that was okay. the first like when I did the T Rex seven hundred uh, nitro to electric conversion. I think Susie Hans were the frames that I used. Okay. It was like some conversion set because they didn't make a, an electric back then. And then right. I also did the fly barless conversion. So it started as a fly right. bar nitro kit. Okay. But um, that's awesome. Yeah, I don't think the early ones I didn't even have any auto leveling capability. I ended up going with like the heli command stuff later that you could, but I only used it as like a bailout. I, I didn't like how it fought me. Yeah. So I just yeah, was especially like especially like such a big machine like that. Yeah. So that's cool. So so you guys founded Copter Kids, I guess. When how old were you when you founded Copter Kids? I guess I was twenty one. So twenty one, nice. And you're keeping the name now. So even ten years later, so yeah. thirty one. You're yeah. keeping the kids until the you know until you're old man. Yeah, right? kids at heart, right? <laughs> you should. Oh, that's awesome. So, at what point? At what point did the Copter Kids become the Copter Drone Pilots? So, or instead of the Copter Kids, the Drone Kids. Yeah. So, at what point? At what point did did you guys switch to a multi rotor? And what was like the reasoning behind that? So that, yeah, that was a weird shift. I held off for a long time because I was. You like, did. Yeah. I remember this is that. what holds us different than others because separates the men from the boys basically. Right. Like, right. Not everyone could fly those. Yes. Um, yep. And we had a, a platform that I had built that at this point was like goblin driveline, but we had like reversed and flipped everything and we were able to get the red tucked mm -hmm. right up against like the main shaft oh, and nice. uh, built our own gimbal. And that setup, as finicky as it was, we were able to make work pretty well. Uh -huh. um, I, I was really happy with how the thing flew and so we were working that rig like nonstop. Sure. But I was on uh, shooting, I think, a TV show for Burton, like Peace Park. It was a snowboard film or, or mm -hmm. show. And I was not even that far away from me. I think I was about 500 feet away from me. I was flying over the half pipe that they were shooting. And there's photographers yeah. below me. And I, ha I had a little brownout, like a, a lost link for a second. Oh. Yeah. And it came back. But you know how your oh. heart drops when that happens. Yeah. And then it did it. it one other time. And it just, wow. and then I grounded that rig and then we just flew on like some smaller one and they weren't very happy, but you know, I had a backup, wow. we got the job done, but we weren't sure. able to shoot red. And, uh, I think it was just one of those times, the amount of stress I went through on that job thinking like, I know these guys aren't going to call me back because I made a safety decision that I shouldn't fly. Yes. And then I started thinking, but what if I pushed it? And what if that thing did lose link and go and hit and kill someone? I'm like, I'm going to jail for manslaughter. <laughs> and I'm like, this is, it. you know, it just wasn't worth it. So I just put that thing online for sale and just said, I'm going to get rid of it and, you know, force myself to make the switch. Sure. So, uh, and this was before like anyone was making a really solid like turnkey setup. So, uh, mm -hmm. I struggled a lot with the DJI flight controllers as I'm sure yep. many people did in their, in their early days. The flip of death yeah. is real. <laughs> yeah. Like the Wukong or the A2 or something like, <clears throat> yeah, some of those are pretty pretty rough but I, I think that's an interesting point that you bring up about like grounding it at the shoot because I think that that's perhaps where some things go wrong um, to where like you knew something was up yeah. and I had a similar experience on a feature film too to where like a director wanted us to basically fly over people and I'm like it was a bunch of extras like hundreds of extras like right over the top of them indoors I'm like I'm I'm not doing like you can fire me but I'm not doing this yeah and um, I you know we basically we didn't get the shot and we were kindly kind of asked to pack our stuff, but the, the producer later hired us again a year later. So he felt we made the right call. So I feel it was, it's so good to hear you in a similar situation. So like, you know, would you, 
is there anything you, you would maybe want to say to some other pilots who are trying to get their feet wet and when they run into a situation like that? Like, obviously, it's a better call to just, yeah. you know, to just take the beating <laughs> for the day and go home with everything in one piece and everybody safe. Yeah. It's really, I mean, because you, you're never going to advance yourself and your skills without pushing it. Some, mm -hmm. you know, you got to go outside your comfort zone, but knowing when to say no is the hardest thing above and beyond for this job for me. In the last 10 years, it still is a struggle of like, you know, is it too windy? Can you fly in this? Can you do, you know, can you get closer? And it's like, well, right. I mean, yeah, but where do you draw the line and start saying, no, it's not safe. That one was a simple one for me. I mean, I'm like, if you're losing control of the aircraft, I can't physically fix that. I'm like, yeah. so we tried different receivers. We tried everything and there, I don't know what was going on that day, but, uh, and it was weird. We didn't, we couldn't replicate it another day. So I don't know if it was like some, <clears throat> what kind know, of radio system? Futaba. Really? Yeah, man, those never go away. Yeah, no, I know in the, the in the earlier days of Spectrum, like a DX7, like the first one, I know that they had those issues. But since like the <laughs> DX7 SC, you know, ten years ago, they haven't had that problem. Yeah, um, I had a DX7. Wow. That's why I switched away from Spectrum. I was doing TikToks with my Nitro <laughs> and just browned out and just, just nothing. Yeah, locked me out until it was shredded into bits on the ground at full throttle. Oh man, so uh, that's no good. So yeah, and I, I always ran the best Futaba stuff. It was the 18MZ, and it was the best right. receivers, telemetry receivers that I could get. I'm like, there, there's nothing better in my opinion. So I just wow, yeah, wow, that's crazy. Well, so when when you switched over to multi rotors, did you notice your like style changing or the type of footage change that you were able to capture? Like, did it make your life easier? Um, you know. W w that first like year, how, how were you feeling towards the multi-rotor versus your heli? Well, the first, I, I still was struggling because we were building them and just okay. getting the right combo that was reliable with those flight controllers. Because like I said, I had three different flips of death where the thing just went belly side up. One oh, was wind-induced and it had my red on it, <laughs> which sucked. Oh, uh, one was, was in testing, done? the other one had someone just... else's camera on it, but... Was the red just done? No, actually the red was fine. Broke everything okay. else, but the body okay. was good. And it only had a still lens on it. So it was like at the end of the day, I'm like, eh. Yeah, I didn't but, really uh, care. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. So, Man, so I, it was not a smooth shift and I, I, I never really trusted them. And it wasn't until the free fly stuff came out, the Alta 6, which we flew that hell out of overgross at high altitude, a million, like, but it just never failed. So right. once we went to the eight, that's the one that I still is like my, it just, you know, rain or shine. It, I mean, it, it runs. It's such a good aircraft. Like it, yeah. the design of that is so solid. Like they, yeah. I mean, the, the team did a really good job on that. Yeah. Um, and then now it seems like with their X, does that one have your eye? Their, their newer yes. one? Yeah. Yeah. And I've been okay. trying to get my hands on a demo unit and Tab's sure. been talking about sending me one, but he had a kid and he's busy. And then I've. You know, now with the shift to the YouTube thing, it's like more of my time is going into that uh, arena than the Copter Kids thing. So sure. uh, it's been it's been dynamic, and that whole the drone industry as a whole, it's just so you know saturated that um, for a bit there it turned into that uh, a race to the bottom price wise, and that was not a race I wanted to be in. So kind of smart, yeah. No, that's smart. That makes sense. What's your take on um, that as the Alta X being a quadcopter? What's your take on that flying your bigger payload, you know, without the mechanical redundancy of like if you're to lose a motor or something like that? Yeah. Um, what, what's your take on that? Well, I will say I think it was five years ago I spent a lot of time and money trying to develop almost the identical platform to the Alta X. Oh, nice. Just because when you look at the most efficient 
setup is going to be the least amount of motors. Um, sure. And the only one that you're going to have true stability in is a quadcopter. You have, yep. the, you have the most amount of lifting surface for the size. Correct. Like, you know, and you're not dragging around extra weight. Correct. So correct. Um, it, it makes sense to me. I, I do worry because I have had an Alta or a motor shut off on my Alta 8. It was Ooh. in like a torrential downpour, but it was a David Fincher, that Mindhunter show on Netflix. And we okay. were over the, I mean, the set was had 50 extras and 100 crew member. And wow. I wasn't directly over anyone's head, but right in the vicinity. And it was at night in a rainstorm and I lost a motor and the thing veered a little bit. And then just, I was like, that was weird. And when I brought it back, it was giving me an error LED. Oh, and wow. uh, we just like got a hairdryer and <laughs> blew it out. And then the thing was fine and we finished the job with it. But that would have been really? one of those, yeah, that would have been one of those wow. times that if it was a, a, a quad, I mean. Yeah, that's my only concern from the design side of things. It's just that, but it, it, but that's, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just what does the market feel like? Like yeah. how does some, like what is, what do the pilots think? But you're right for speed. I mean, for speed, you're not going to touch it. Yeah. Um, and just efficiencies and like the uh, lifting capacity. And I mean, I don't know. So with where I was flying the Alta six at, if I was to lose a motor, it would not have been able to sustain flight. So you were like push. you were on the edge. That yeah. Much. And if you can, I mean, any hexa, if you shut off a motor or turned one off and seen like they, they don't, they're not going to fly. Like you, you'll be able to kind of direct where you want it to land, but it's yeah. not like the out the eight when it lost the motor, it was like a non-event. It just did like sure. one little thing and then it flew perfectly fine with a sure. six year. Um, I think you're going to be doing that little spinning kind of toilet bowl thing and figure out where you can put it. And then yeah, with a four, like you're going to be lucky if you can do that. I think it's going to, but, it, but <laughs> yeah, but in the fours, have you seen that like Ted talk from years ago Yes. and, and they, they kill a motor. I think they even kill two motors and they yeah. put it in an automatic pirouette and it can do it. Yeah. But the flight, I guess the flight controllers just aren't there. Yeah. Um, and so the question so. is how many, I mean, in the amount of time I've been doing this, however many thousands of, of hours and stuff, I've really never had the motor or speed controller fail. Sure. Um, in in the single rotor days, it was all mechanical failures. We had main yeah. gears stripping and just other yeah. issues. Ball links, ball yeah. links popping. Yes. Yeah, there's so many parts. There's so many parts. Yeah. So problem. it doesn't seem like the motors or speed controllers are that much of a failure point to me. Um, yeah. I'm with yeah. you. I'm with you. No, that, that's interesting. And so the other thing that's really caught my eye from the cinema side. So like I don't do as much flying anymore. I'm just building aircraft that the other guys fly on on sets yeah but what's really catching my eye is the cinema fpv side oh yeah um and i, I know you were playing with fpv for a while so what's your take on kind of where where perhaps some of the creative direction is going to where instead of hiring you with a red with an alta or something you know do they now want a smaller like dslr but able to go 60 miles an hour on an fpv setup so like have you seen any of that like what's your take on that where yeah the market might be going yeah, I think it's cool. I, I don't know. We, we've done, I, I've done a Polaris shoot that we did heavy FPV uh, flying that I built a uh -huh. few different setups, but that's the only one that I've personally used it on. Actually, two different Polaris shoots. And then I've been playing with like integrating it into my YouTube stuff because I have that skill set and I just, and it's, it's kind of hot right now. Yeah. Like, I yeah, guess I huge. should be, you know, doing it more, but um, I don't know. I think if people are okay with that look, you know, the more dynamic flying, I think it adds a cool element. And if you're looking for that dynamic angle, I think it's the way to do it. Um, yeah, absolutely. As far as building yeah. bigger ones though, it's like you could build them with a DSLR and I've seen people even building them with like a red on it. 
but I think it loses some of that snappy feel to it. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like you got to pick your poison and say, if we're going to go for this look, it needs to be, to me, I would just do the GoPro with real steady. And that's when you're getting into the, like that really, really cool. Like how do they do that kind of look? Yeah, absolutely. And it seems like with the red or the airy FPVing it, you know, with a $60,000 yeah. setup on, and that's all manual flying. Like that's a little scary at that point. Yeah. You know, like it, you know, at least with the big cinema setups, it has self-stabilization and two-man operation, but with this, I mean, you don't have much room for error. Yeah. But I guess for the big enough features, they don't care, so. Yeah, I don't know, and I feel like part of the value in that is the um, the fact that they can be semi-disposable. You're like, you know, the job I went on, I fully intended to come back with zero working, and I think I came back with one working, but like, I broke everything. But that was the thing, closer, faster, closer, you know. Right, hit right. it all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. We so. need you to hit that trend. Actually, yeah. if you could just hit that, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and I'll do oh. it with the GoPro. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. sick. Yeah, I mean, I've been seeing some of the guys um, doing that. I, I just wonder where that's heading. So it'll be interesting to see in another like five years how much, yeah. how much of the market is is being done with like a, a gimbaled kind of setup, a traditional or more towards FPV. So yeah. Um, it's interesting. And then, so it seems like now, um, when I check out your, your stuff, it seems like, like, what kind of jobs are you guys mainly doing nowadays? Like with Copter Kids, it seems, are you doing a lot of commercial work or yeah. music videos or features or where have you, where's that sweet spot for you? Most of us, and this has been for the last like seven years is sheet metal, like car commercials is our jam. That's what really? we, yeah, that's okay. we, we spend a, a, you know, weeks a year on the road doing, you know, running footage spots for different, you know, car companies. Nice. So that's and our main a, thing. And then we get on, you know, the random episodic TV shows, whether it's a Netflix or HBO thing, we do those and then feature now and then. I try to avoid music videos pretty much at all costs. <laughs> Why is that? Just, it's, you've shot music videos, right? <laughs> oh, they're, the, the hip hop ones are the best, man. They're it's, just... <laughs> and it's not even the, I mean, it's, it's, it's top everywhere. down. I can't, like the producers through every single person that they work in a different world and they work 20 hour days and they work for pennies on the dollar and then they want the world. And we right. had one, one of the more recent ones was we want to shoot, what, what was it? I was on hold. It was downtown LA at night, which is fine. Of, co- of course. Um, they said, how close can you get to the talent's head? Like, well, that for one, that's like you should not be hiring me based on that because this is not a tool to get close to someone's head with. Right. And uh, they ended up going with us, and it ended up it was on Lower Grand, which is a very popular location. We've shot there a few times, but like I think the Dark Dark Knight, uh, one of the Batman movies, had a big scene under there. So they have all these oh, nice. lights that are like permanently set in there. But okay. it was Kendrick Lamar and Rihanna, and they nice. had a hundred extras, and we're uh, it's under a tunnel, and no like pressure. this should have been a techno crane. But right. at this point, they have us there. They don't have a techno. So it's like, oh. And they, it was like, it, the scene was that these people, there was like lava. For some reason, they were like dancing and we're flying around all these people. And they're supposed to be falling in la- lava. So they had these green screen like pits that had bean bags that were filled with like popcorn, like packing peanuts or whatever. Okay. Um, and somehow they weren't tied together that well. So I'm flying over them and all of a sudden the popcorn's blowing everywhere. Like Rihanna's hair is blowing. It just was a mess. I'm like, you guys aren't going to use this. And they, they actually did. It turned out pretty good. But it was one of those that it was like, this is such a crap show. Like we should not be doing this. No <laughs> so. way. I'm with you, man. We, we've had similar experiences on music videos. It's just wild. Like that's all yeah. I can say. They're just, they're just wild. But I feel like the commercial is like the perfect... You know, it's usually like maybe like a three-day shoot or something, mm-hmm. and then you're kind of back to your family. 
But then with feature films, if you're on a feature, I mean, you're gone for like months at a time. I mean, that's, that's like having like a nine to five, I felt like almost. Like you see the same people every day, you're punching the clock in and out. Like, did you feel the same way on, on features? Well, so we've been, you know, the drone side's so specialty and with ours, like we, we've always just brought in, been brought in for the shot that they needed us on. So sure. like, sure. what, we did that Chips movie not mm -hmm. long ago with Warner Brothers and that, I think they brought us in three different days and it was just for specific oh. shots. That's the so, best though. That's yeah. the best. You get in, you get the catering, you, know, yeah. you get the craft service and yeah, that's, that makes sense though. That and those are the sense. best too. Like even the, um, that gangster squad, that was the first feature we ever shot mm -hmm. uh, again, Warner Brothers and they just had one shot. So I think we ended up, we did it a couple different times, but we flew two batteries. So it was like, oh, that's it. Yeah. And, Cause they were shooting a swing. I think they shot like evening into night. Mm -hmm. And so ours was the first shot up. We showed up at like four 30. We were wrapped by five. It okay. was like the weirdest, like, all right, well, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's a wrap on drone. I, I guess we did good. Yeah. I guess we did all right. So That's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. All right, so tell me now, talk to me about your YouTube stuff, because your YouTube channel is, is booming. You have, you have like a quarter million subscribers or something yeah. like that? Like 250. How did that happen? And, and you know, that's just, that's amazing. Like, congrats that you're able yeah. to make content now and, and you know, help offset the, the, the costs or whatever from not shooting drone stuff every day. So like, tell me about that. Yeah, that was a, so like, I guess to, to preface all this, I've mm -hmm. always liked making videos. Like that's what got me into ski filmmaking was like making these little edits. And even before that, it was like my friends on bikes and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So when I got the kit Fox, the plane I fly, mm -hmm. I started doing the same thing. I was like, let's go make a little video. And I, you know, I just upload it to YouTube. And yeah. it was kind of funny when you're like, whoa, I got a thousand views, like a thousand people watched me do that. Right. And then I, I've never been someone that watched YouTube. So I didn't really understand it. it was one day this, uh, I don't know if you know who Tucker God is. He flies paramotors. Okay. I, I think he's out of New Jersey or something, but one of his videos popped up and it was like just this kid flying a paramotor it was a 20 minute long video. I've never watched that long a video on YouTube. And right. he was just kind of talking and, and like, it was like, you're living through it with them. And I was like, dude, that was kind of cool. And then I hit subscribe because I felt like I should. It was the first person I ever subscribed to. A few right. months later, I checked back. He was originally like at 20,000 subscribers. And when I checked uh -huh. back, he was at half a million. Damn. And I'm like, okay, what is he doing? And that's sure. what I, I think part of it was for me to try to explore if I could figure out what YouTube's about and mm -hmm. if I could build the skill set and kind of wrap my head around the, that um, outlet, I guess. So. Sure. Uh, I decided to turn the camera around and use myself as a character and start vlogging, which felt so dumb and it still does. Like I, I, I yeah, before that had yeah. never taken a selfie ever. So it was right. the biggest hurdle was like getting used to that side. But uh, it's, it, it seems, I mean, you're, you're natural with it. Like, uh, your, your deliveries, I mean, you know how to frame shots, you know, I mean, you, you know, you, I mean, you're a nice guy. So like it, it comes off well, like I enjoy your videos. I think they're awesome. Well, thank and you. then just, and just the fact that you have that cinema background to then be able to, you know, beautifully capture. I mean, you guys are in some gorgeous. You're you're in like uh, you're in the Reno area. Yep. Is that where you are? Yep. So like, I mean, you guys you guys have some like gorgeous scenery where you are. So like, I think that really helps too. Like yeah. that you can help someone like feel like they're there almost. Yeah, and so I think that was part of it too. When I when I saw that Tucker was doing it, I'm like, well, 
I think he has this appeal of doing something that's kind of cool. I remember thinking to myself, I also have all the tools, I have cameras and I have the skill set. I know how to edit. I'm like, why? And I have enough time off in between Copter Kids stuff. I'm like, why don't I just try it? Yeah. So I think that's what led me into it, thinking like, no, I, I mean, the, making the video is the easy part for me. Mm -hmm. The hard part was getting comfortable on camera and figuring out like the, just the YouTube platform. Like what do right. people want to see? How do you make something work? How do you even get people's eyes on it? Like that's a whole different beast aside from just making the video. So yeah, absolutely. And, and it's so, and it's so cool now that like, I think YouTube is one of the only platforms, maybe Twitch, but to where you're basically paid to, to post good content. Yeah. Um, because you know, if you post on Facebook or uh, Twitter or, you know, Vimeo, they're, they're not paying you for content. Yeah. Um, but, it, but in, in YouTube, if you go and you make creative content, original content and put it out there, then you know, you, you can make a, a decent living by, you know, some, some of these guys out there ha having millions of subscribers. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're multi-millionaires. Oh, yeah. Just from YouTube ads, like only from ads. That's just one part of their business. And that's the smallest part. Like the ads right. don't pay well. It's the brand deals and, and the merch exactly. and all that stuff that people. Yeah, absolutely. So like, is that your goal? Like, are you trying to, like, are you enjoying it to the point where maybe you want to do this more more and, and less Copter Kids stuff or, yeah. you know. Like, I think currently that, I'm at that tipping point that like, I yeah. haven't bought the Alta X because I'm just like, is that the direction I want to go? I've got a fully functioning great kit right now. I'm like, sure. do I really need to go that route and invest X amount more? So uh, I'm kind of saying like I'm, I'm not leaving Copter Kids, but I'm definitely investing more time and energy into the YouTube thing right now just because yeah. it's, it gives you so much freedom. Like from a filmmaking standpoint, um, you know, I've always thought of myself as a filmmaker. And mm -hmm. uh, when I first started Copter Kids, I wanted to be the camera operator, but I didn't know anyone that knew how to fly an RC heli better than me. So you got so, stuck with being the pilot. Yep. And then so now as a filmmaker, sure, I, I work on huge productions, big shows, things I'd be very proud of. But at the end of the day, I have zero creative control. I'm just yep. the guy that puts the drone where you tell me in the sky. Right. So, You're a hired gun. Yep. 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 So uh, the YouTube thing has allowed me to be back to a filmmaker that I can tell my stories. They might not be that good of stories or that good of productions, but they're mine. And you can really tell any story you want, however you want, whenever you want, and still make right. money doing it. So it's kind of like the filmmaking cheat code. Because there's no yeah. director out there that has no one looking over their back telling them, you know, they always have someone telling them how they have to do something. So sure. YouTube's the only way that I know that you can literally have no one telling you what to do and still make money as a filmmaker. Yeah, so. absolutely. And, and and as the drone pilot, I felt the same. Like I'm I'm a creative myself, and whether I need to like create a product or design something or a video or whatever it might be, like I felt it was so crippling to be on a movie set and like all this creativity is going on. But at the end of the day, the only person you know using his creativity muscle that day is the director. Yeah. And you're just exactly what you said. You're moving it from point A to point B. Yeah. And you're just an operator at that point. And to me, that was like debilitating. I, and I kind of eased off the, the filming side because of that. Because I was like, God, this is just like it's killing me inside. It really was. Yeah. And so. I don't know about you. I don't, I, I'm fully line of sight. I just look at the aircraft. I don't even have a monitor. I stand next to my operator so I can glance at his. But for uh -huh. the most part, especially on really technical stuff, I don't even know what we're shooting. I, I mean, I know what we're shooting, right. but I don't see the frame. 
and right. then it the goes only time off. I do, the only time I did is if I have to line up something perfectly. Like if you're if you're like straight over the car, that's the worst shot in the world. Dude, yeah, like stay down straight tracking. over him. Oh, it's impossible. It's and horrible. then the gimbal operator is twisting. Yeah, as, to try as to the fix road it. is turning. <laughs> And, and you can, uh, yeah. that's impossible. That is impossible. Maybe one day we can develop a drone that like does exactly that autonomously. That'd be kind of nice. That's an idea. Yeah. But anyway, that, that's impossible. So I think you're right though with YouTube. The only caveat I would see to that and what I've heard of other YouTubers discussing is like they become a, uh, like a victim of their own success to where they start releasing these types of videos and those are what are doing well and getting the view count and what are paying well. But then maybe they try something a little different and maybe something that, that catches their eye at that moment and it doesn't do as well. So then they become a victim of what they've previously put. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you, do you, it seems like you get to explore a little bit, a lot of your interests on your channel between like you have a great video, like the difference between like a toy drone and a cinema drone or or like the drone stuff with your your uh, uh bush pilot stuff so yeah you know, do you do you worry about that or do you think that you're uh in control that much and like despite what the audience may say at the time like you're just going to make content that you want to create yeah that's the hardest thing because there's always like that that one the comparison between the alta and the mavic like that was just a side thing for fun we were testing a new firmware on the movie and i'm like mm -hmm. well, let's bring the mavic and it was like a kind of a joke to compare right. those two, because they're not, I mean, it's not really a fair comparison. Right. And Correct. that video, I think, is at almost a million views. I didn't expect that many people, and I just got torn apart in it from people saying, like, dude, you can't compare those, this guy's a joke, like, but oh, it, it, it was pretty eye-opening that it's another one of those, like, that works on YouTube. That was not a video that I thought was going to do well, it was just fun, it was something to, you know, throw content out, so, you know, I had kind of keep that that ball rolling, because the, the YouTube algorithm really does like punish you if you're not somewhat consistent. So I think that's what a lot of YouTubers, you feel the pressure uh, to continue posting regularly. You mm -hmm. also have uh, videos that you'll see the performance was way better than other ones and it might not be your favorite topic, but if it's performing well, I mean, at the end of the day, you're, if you're trying to make money off of it, you gotta see some sort of performance. But I've been really lucky lately that it seems like um, most things that I throw out there do pretty well. And I definitely know that there's just random ones that you can't, you know, plan that my, I did a video of my friends playing Draco. It was like a big <laughs> turboprop bush plane. And that uh -huh. was one that was just a walk around video. It was the simplest thing I had, you know, and Mike and I weren't even going to do it. And that one's like well north of 4 million views. And it's still every month is one of my highest viewed videos. And it's just like, I didn't, you know, how was I supposed to know a walk around video was better than me going out and landing on mountaintops. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Like the video you just shoot, like shoot with your phone, like becomes yeah. viral. And then the one you spend like all day, you know, like all week shooting and prepping and editing. Yeah. It's like, ah, that's okay. Yeah. It's, it's almost like there's an inverse relationship there. Like the less you put in, the more you get out. And that's yeah. where, and then also something that the, that I, I've, I've been battling with, like I've never put out a video that from a, a technical standpoint and like finished product I've been proud of. So I can do way really? more when it comes to like color correcting and finessing and making things look good. Because I was an online editor for two years professionally. We would spend uh, a month in post on a 30 second spot. So wow. you can't take that kind of time for a YouTube video. But I also think um, when people go on YouTube, they want just kind of more of a, a raw, you know, the, the, that distance between the creator and the viewer is so tight knit that if it becomes right. too polished, it feels like you're watching a TV show and I don't think people like it. So. I'm with you.
Um, yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, no worries, no worries. It's your subscribers. Uh, they want to they wanna ask you a question. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think there's something to that. And I mean, I, I know I'm finding myself watching way more YouTube these days yeah. than, uh, than anything else. Oh, we just got a bit of an echo. Oh, let me turn that down. On your side. Oh, there, there we go. Okay. Technical problem. We're, we're, yeah. we're very uh, professional in this show, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I find myself watching so much more YouTube these days than like any TV, hardly at all. Yeah, so, I'm the same and, way. And I feel, yeah, and, and I feel like it's like the long tail's getting longer to where somebody's interested in like off-road flying and drones and and uh, for me, like the design stuff, like they could find our channels versus having to watch a car show on Discovery where they like like the engineering and building and stuff, but they don't really care about cars. But now it's like YouTube's allowed like the long tail to just get even longer and like kind of everybody's a, an influencer, like everybody has a channel. Yeah. So, but um, no, that's, that's really interesting. And I, I, and that one, I, I did want to ask you about one of your latest videos you brought out too, was uh, uh, showing your house that you guys built, that you and your wife just built. Yeah. And so give me the rundown on that. You have, you bought a huge amount of land, right? When yeah. You're like, like 70 acres or something? Yeah, 76. Holy And so cow. this is a part of town I've been wanting to live in for a long time because the director I used to edit for, um, mm -hmm. he lives, he's right, he's my neighbor. But uh, oh, cool. he, when things got slow, I think in 2008 or 2009, he moved the mm -hmm. edit bay up to his house. I mean, he's got a gigantic house, so it was a whole edit studio that he had sure. at his place. So yeah. I would come up here all the time and loved it. It was just like, I didn't want to go back into town. So I tried to buy a house out here in 2012. Um, mm -hmm. It's actually our neighboring property. And then I yeah. tried to buy the other side, which was a house in 2016. And yeah. both of them got outbid on or they went too quick or whatever. So uh, that's when the wife and I were like, well, we should like actually think about looking at property out there. I flew over this lot and said, hold on, you could put a runway up there. And it was the only one out here that I was like, no, you could definitely land there. So. Right. Uh, we uh, came out and took a look at it, and they had just dropped it like over 25% on price. Oh, nice. So uh, we kind of had that decision that we were like, well, the house we were in was really nice. It wasn't where we wanted to be for the rest of our lives, so it was mm -hmm. time to jump in and try something like this. If I could go back and tell myself how expensive and how hard and <laughs> stressful it was, I probably wouldn't, have, I wouldn't be here right now, but that said, I'm really glad we did it. <laughs> So. I mean, it's amazing. You have a runway in your at your house. Yeah. Now I just need a hanger because it's like the runway's kind of novelty right now because I can land okay. here, but I don't keep the plane here. So. Oh, you don't. Oh, okay. Okay. That's yeah. the next step. Then you gotta. You need a few more videos to go viral or a few more uh, copter kids shoots. Yeah. And then and then you get the hanger. Yeah. Now that's be... the ultimate. That's the ultimate setup, man. Yeah. That's sick. Jeez. So. When you, I, I saw you guys have like a kit built house. Yeah. Um, you know, like my wife and I, like we're, we're looking to buy and it's like, oh, do we build a house? Do we buy a house? And we saw your kit house. Like, oh, that seems like a lot of work. But yeah. it seems like you get exactly what you want. Yeah. So, um, you know, this was our fourth attempt at building out here. We just kept okay. falling on our face every time because normally it was too expensive. We had one a shipping container home company that we signed contract with and sent them their deposit and they just like, ghosted us so it was a scam and then um so this was our fourth attempt at it after these other sets of plans that we couldn't afford to build so what we liked about the kit home was that it kind of alleviated a lot of the the variables like we wanted sure. something that we're like once we're in and we 
pay for the house. Like now we're committed. So sure. the trial by fire thing. Plus the, um, cause they've built a few of these, um, we figured it would be easier and we'd have the assistance of the company as far sure. as, you know, all the stupid questions. Cause we did own or build no contractor and I've never done construction before. So I oh, figured it out. Yeah. You figured it out. It looks, I mean, the view is gorgeous and man, I look forward to seeing some more videos kind of, you know, located out of there. I think yeah. that, I mean that like any angle you shoot is just gorgeous. So yeah. like definitely helps with the content. Yeah. So that's awesome, man. Well, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but um, on the show, we have a decent amount of guys listening who are maybe starting their own business or like a drone kind of side business or something. So what would your advice be to potential guys doing a drone business or wanting to get into the YouTube stuff? Like, what would your advice be to anybody starting out or maybe going through the process right now? That was a, a, a very broad stroke question, but for very broad stroke for the, very. the drone side of things, mm -hmm. um, I would not over invest in gear. I think we all try to go down that rabbit hole of mm -hmm. like, I need this equipment to be able to do good work. And that's yeah. not the case anymore. You can definitely absolutely start with some, you know, smaller platform um, that shoots good stuff and build your skill set. And then as you have work that demands it, that's when you upgrade. Like yeah. you don't just go and buy your way into this super, you know, if you go spend a hundred thousand dollars on gear, that's not going to necessarily make you that hireable. It's better to work your way into it. Um, sure. and the skill set is what you're selling. You're not selling equipment. So being a good operator at the end of the day, you know, so lot, lots of practice knowing how to fly. Yeah. It's the artist, not the paintbrush. So yes. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I like that. All right. And then if let's say, how about people starting with more content side of stuff? So like video production, YouTube kind of thing. Yeah. Sim similar, just being good at your craft. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you, you one have to genuinely enjoy it because if you aren't, you're doing it probably for the wrong reasons. Um, mm -hmm. if yeah, find something you're good at and then you got to provide something of value to your viewers. I mean, entertainment is of huge value to people. So as long as it's entertaining, you're there. But if they can learn something or feel like they, you know, gained a little bit of knowledge or something like that, um, I think that always helps. So you got to look at it and say, what am I providing? How am I, you know, well, if someone's going to give me some of their time to watch a video, which is, you know, time's important. It's the only thing you can ever get back. So right. it's a big commitment to ask that of people. So you got to say, what am I, what am I providing for them that'll make it worth it? So I like that. That's a good answer. That's a great answer. I, I like that. I like that. So what's in store for you for the rest of the year? You guys have anything lined up big? Nothing big. I've just got a whole bunch of little things. I'm going to keep right now, just this last month or so, the YouTube, um, you know, you kind of go through these like peaks and valleys and, and it's always a gradual climb, but you, you hit these moments. And with that house build, it was a good month of growth for the channel. And it mm -hmm. seems like the algorithm's working for me right now. And you, again, you fall on and off of that thing. So right now is like the just grind, like post content, get things out. Sure. So sure. Um, that and then a few Copter Kids jobs I have in, in the pipeline. So. Oh, that's sick, man. Well, keep doing what you're doing. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, us, I, here in the East Coast, I'm very jealous of yeah. the scenery and, and You got to come visit. Man, I really have to. I would yeah. love to do that. Yeah. I really, I, w I would love to do that. That that seems really good. I've been out to like out west a, a decent amount of time, like Utah and yeah. Nevada and everything. I just love it out there. So um, next time I come back, I'll have to come out. That'd be so cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, and where can people find out some more information about you and your channels and such? And um, where can they find some more info? Yeah, just Trent Palmer on YouTube. I'm Trenton Palmer on Instagram. And Trenton. Trenton, Ooh. yeah. Trent Palmer was taken. So, oh, uh, 
full name and then uh just copter kids llc is is my company and the website for that so awesome well trent it's been a pleasure talking to you my friend i'm really glad we were able to do this and uh hopefully we get to finally meet in person if i get to head out west yeah. one day that'll be awesome we gotta make it happen absolutely thanks, thanks for trent having Palmer, me, everybody thanks for coming on man appreciate it hey thanks all right have a good one. Bye.